welcome to the Feedback Force podcast, the game design analysis podcast of the End Defender community. I'm Kelso. And I'm Kyla. And I'm Carl. And the cat will not stop talking. <laughs> the cat is Fliffo. Yeah, the cat is Fliffo. I was, uh, I was away at my sister's place for the past couple nights, so he's like really starved for attention. <laughs> Aww. Kitty just wants to be a part of the discussion. Right, Kitty loves video games. I have photos of him, like, with his paw on the mouse of my computer, like, oh, Kitty's playing a video game. Aww. <laughs> You're yeah. one of that kind of cat owners, huh? I am. I mean, that's, he, like, puts his paw there, and I'm just like, oh, I gotta, gotta take this opportunity. Oh boy. The internet will love this. The internet, the internet will love loves, this. <laughs> exactly. The internet loves cute cat pictures. Right? Make my cat the next esports champion. <laughs> that sounds fun, kitty. <laughs> oh, that was a watery one. <laughs> yeah, it was. It's getting a little drooly now because he's just sitting in my lap, and I'm petting him, so he like kind of squawks through his uh, drool. <laughs> uh, it's you have a weird cat. He's so strange. Like every time. I interact with another cat. I I realize how bizarre my own cat is. <laughs> it's it's that's really the startling. That's the thing about cats is that they're sort of all individuals. Like they all have they're all quirky and weird, but in very different ways. Often. Yeah. I got to see my uh, my sister's cat obviously because I was over there, and he's like an outdoor cat. Not entirely. They they have a cat door, so he just kind of comes and goes as he pleases. Like, I can't I can't imagine letting Fliffo do that. He would die immediately. He's so stupid. <laughs> He's so stupid. I love him. I love you, Kitty. Yeah. We had a we had a mixed indoor outdoor cat, um, which you you really shouldn't do with your cats. It's like not super healthy for them. Yeah. Um, but this cat in particular um, was a barn cat. Like oh, she yeah. was born a barn cat, and she uh, she just came to us from out in the wilderness and like showed up at our house, and we adopted her. Yeah. Um. So she would not have been happy being cooped up inside all the time. So yeah, we let her out when she true. wanted to go out. Yeah, my sister's cat was an indoor cat only for a really long time. Um, when they bought their house, it it had you know a a pet door, and they're like, well, should we get rid of it? Should we like keep it shut? And they just kind of decided to try to let the cat out and see how he dealt with it. And apparently he's a lot happier now because, you know, they have two small children. I, I can understand wanting to escape for a little while. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't blame him. This has yeah. been Cat Talk. To be fair, I mean, like, I think letting uh, her go outside was how our cat ended up catching feline leukemia. Oh, no. So... Um, but, you know, she was happy. The life she lived was maybe shorter than it would have been otherwise, but it was happier also. Yeah, you gotta sort of balance that. It's like, the other cat that I live with is, I mean, both of them are old. Both of these cats are, like, 17 years old now. And the other cat, like, has kidney issues, but he won't eat the special kidney diet food so my mom's like he's old enough 
Like, I'm not going to torture him in his final years with this awful food that he hates. Yeah. So, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, it's one of those things. Anyway. Uh, yeah. I have not done anything particularly interesting over the past two weeks, so. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> yeah, that's I guess I guess I'm listening to the Adventure Zone podcast. Like, oh, I've yeah. gotten super into it lately. Um, it's... So I started listening to it because I guess, um, you know, a lot of people were posting about it because it ended, because, like, the finale was up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, man, so many people like this, and it's done now, so I can, like, you know, get a complete story without getting any cliffhangers at any point. Um, and so I picked it up, and the it starts really slow. Like, it starts like a fairly typical D&D podcast kind of thing with mm-hmm. your typical D&D-style adventures. Uh, but it gets, it's, you know, the guys are funny and it gets pretty good pretty quick. Um, and then there's an arc, like, most of the way through, uh, where the chapter is called The Suffering Game. Oh no. And, uh, yeah, and as you might uh, expect, lots of bad things happen in that chapter. Oh. <laughs> so, Oof. I, uh, I, it was really, really tense and I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna, like, you know, I wasn't. I had a weekend where I was like kind of fluey and not feeling well, and had to mostly stay in bed anyway. So I'm like, I'm just gonna listen to this entire chapter and just get through it. Just like run my way through uh, this part, and so like the tension will be over with. So I listened to a whole ton of it, uh, and then that took me pretty much into kind of the end game part of the podcast. So then I kind of didn't slow down much. So I've just been hoovering up like the last, I don't know quarter or fifth or so of the podcast. Nice. Yeah, I, I... The most exposure that I've gotten to the Adventure Zone is that uh, a lot of, like, artists that I know, including some people that I, like, at least one person that I used to go to school with, um, were really into it and drew a ton of fan art. Uh, and, yeah, that the one person that I used to go to school with, like, got... Like, she was already pretty popular, on the internet because she's incredible like she's an amazing amazing artist um but like got way way more popular because of doing a ton of adventure zone fan art and now she works at dreamworks as like a storyboard artist nice so that's awesome so adventure zone sort of but not really got your friend a job yeah i don't i don't know if it was like because of that yes but or if it was like (laughs) a coincidence but yeah 100 percent it's it's always cool when people like blow up because of good fan art yeah and it makes me sad that i don't i don't like the same things that anybody else likes so that'll never happen to me oh. <laughs> or maybe that's because or like it have it will happen to you because of that maybe yeah, cause you'll be like the only person drawing fan art for some fandom that like some producer or exec really likes yeah right i, I got that that underdog appeal yep yeah, no, it's and it lends itself well to fan art uh, as a as a narrative because it's a podcast, so yeah. it's all audio medium, so you can kind of go with whatever in terms of your interpretations. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I I I would say I recommend it as a series if people are into podcasts and need a, a new podcast. Um, just keep in mind that it starts a little slow. That's fair. Please. Kitty well, would like us to move on, I think. Yeah, well, that's fine. <laughs> okay, Kitty. 
Uh, yeah, I did. I mean, I like went and visited my sister and her kids and stuff. Um, because my dad came out because his birthday was last week, so he comes out usually around his birthday weekend and mostly mostly to see his grandkids. Honestly, let's let's not let's not kid <laughs> ourselves here. He, he's not there to see my sister or I. He's totally there to see his grandkids. That's fine. <laughs> That's how those that's things just, work. Yeah, that's it's, just it's like the generation. that's just what happens when you're a grandparent. So, but yeah, it was nice, nice, nice weekend. Got some some brunch, and miss uh, brunch. Yeah. I used to do brunch all the time when I lived in Los Angeles, and now I like never do brunch. Uh, yeah, there's I don't know. I only do brunch when I'm like with my sister because there's one place out here that they they basically only do like breakfast and brunch. Uh, and they're always, like, I've been there twice with her now, and they're always super busy, and the food is really good, so that's probably why. Like, they don't take reservations either. You just have to show up and put your name in and, and wait for 30 minutes. But, yeah, my sister really likes brunch, so. If you like brunch, Los Angeles is a good place to live. Los mm. Angeles caters very highly to the brunch crowd. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I guess there's probably lots of, like, movie exec meetings that take place over brunch. Maybe. I, I don't know. I don't know anything about that stuff. I just like food. and I don't know anything about brunch. <laughs> I like food and morning cocktails. That's a, that's a... Oh, Kitty, what are you doing? Is... Please go away. He's just, like, trying to climb up on my desk and knock all my shit over like he likes to do, so... <laughs> I, I set him on the ground. I did do one thing today that was interesting. I finished Super Mario Sunshine on my stream. Oh yeah, I saw that, and I was gonna oh, yeah. I was gonna ask for uh, the uh, early insider info on what what games you uh, are thinking about playing next. I so I have a whole um, uh, I have a whole uh, list in my um, in my like notebook in my purse somewhere that uh, a friend and I like we were on a bus ride and so we were like sitting and going through like what are all the classic console games that I could play so there's a lot of stuff on that list um, some Star Fox some Mega Man some Metroid um, original Metal Gear Solid uh, Silent Hill um, probably Silent Hill 2 mm-hmm. um Huck really wants us to do co-op um, Secret of Mana. Oh, that could be cool. Uh, so we might do that. Hmm. I don't know. The world is my oyster. I'll probably put up a Twitter poll about it and see if like what people are interested in watching. Yeah, I'm going to vote for Paper Mario, like, every time. <laughs> well, Paper Mario probably won't be on it because I just finished a Mario game. I'm going to vote for Longest Journey. If that's still around. If that's still on it, oh, okay, man. I'll keep that in mind. Oh man, the longest journey. Yeah. I never finished it, but I have I have played it and I have played like that notoriously obtuse puzzle. With with the duck. The duck. With yeah. the duck, yeah. Yeah, I think you or someone else warned me about this puzzle with like the duck and the third rail. Or something like that. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I think I remember like having this conversation actually, possibly even on the podcast. Uh, <laughs> definitely on the podcast. Yeah. So, right. Well, one of these days we'll play the longest journey, and then we can really talk about the duck puzzle, unless you play it first. Yeah. 
Well, it I might mean, be... it's like a million hours long. Yeah, I was going to say, it, it might be too long to play on uh, on this podcast. Yeah. I mean, the stream is where I play games that are just, like, unfeasibly long. So, although it only took me ten weeks to finish uh, Mario Sunshine. Oh, so. wow. That's not bad at all. Yeah. You know, it's more than most other people stream a game in a row, but sure. I admire your dedication. <laughs> Thank you. I do like to finish games when I when I can. Anywho, shall we talk about the game that we did actually play to completion, hopefully, this week? Yeah. Let's do it. Define, define it, completion. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say, in as much as like completion is even an option yeah. uh, in this game. Um, yeah, so let's talk about Spore, which is the game that we just finished. Um, so Spore was released by uh, Maxis and Studio EA uh, about 10 years ago, so 2008, I believe. Um, and it was sort of the magnum opus of designer Will Wright, uh, most famous for, like, SimCity and The Sims. And if you look, I actually, like, went up, went on and, like, looked up his, uh, like, whatever, gameography, bibliography, ludography, something like that. Uh, the list of games that he has made. And, like, Sim Games was just his jam. He made, like, 13 different simulation games, <laughs> and that was basically it. So, like, that's what he was interested in. And this was sort of, like, like the big one, because this is Sim, Sim everything, right? It's Sim life. Um, it's, you start from a little, like, single-celled organism that drops down from a meteor. Um, you steadily, like, eat your way up, uh, and grow until you become a multi-celled creature and find your way onto land. Uh, when you're a creature, you can, um, uh, fight other creatures and... Um, you can try and socialize with other creatures and you build up a nest and you evolve better, better defenses and better, you know, adaptations. Um, and you sort of evolve your way up to a bigger and bigger brain until you become a tribe. Uh, and then you become a, like a little group of critters and you can fight against other, uh, groups of critters. Uh, either you can, again, you can wipe them out or, um, you can impress them into allying with you and being friendly towards you. And once you've sort of taken care of all of the other tribes in the world, then uh, the world becomes a city, uh, and you become one of several warring cities, and it's a little, like, RTS-style um, city game. And you have to unite the world, which means either taking over all the cities or allying with all the cities or some combination thereof. And then you get, you learn about space and you go into space and then uh, repeat on a larger level for like the rest of the game basically. It's just like you wandering around space. You can ally with different, uh, planets full of critters, um, or you can, destroy them, or you can sell them stuff. Yeah. And yeah. each stage is sort of a little mini sampler of a game genre. So, like, the first one is a sort of little, like, arcade eater thing, a la, um, if you've ever played Agario, 
uh, as like a, a web game. Mm-hmm. It's kind of that. Um, if obviously massively predating Agario, but um, yeah. then the the uh, creature stage is what was described as a first person eater, um, or sorry, third person eater rather. Um, so it's you know it's more of a little action thing. You're wandering around and you're um, you have you know a set of attacks or social abilities that have a cooldown that you can use um, when you're trying to like find things and s- explore your planet. Uh, tribal and city stage are both sort of little mini RTSs, and then um, the space stage is sort of like a big open world do what you want, figure stuff out kind of thing. It does theoretically have a goal slash end game, which is to get to the center of the universe, uh, center of the galaxy, rather, um, and find the secret thing that's there. Uh, But it's difficult to do, and it takes a long time, and it's not the most interesting thing in that stage anyway. So, yeah. So an interesting thing I noticed playing this, so I've actually... um, when I played this the past two weeks, I've actually been streaming it a handful of times and just, like, chatting with people uh, about the game as I've been playing. And it's interesting to me that most people share the same opinion, which is, like, eh, it's, like, most of the the stages are kind of, like, you know, whatever. Except I really liked this one stage, only everybody has a different stage when they say that. <laughs> That's interesting, because I feel kind of the same way. I feel maybe the same way, but I'm not really that interested in any of the stages. I'm sorry. So if you had to pick one, what's the stage you would pick? Um, Either the absolute first one or the city one. Okay. Cell or city. Kelso? I like the creature stage. I don't know. Yeah, Creature Stage is my favorite as well. Okay, okay. Um, and I did have someone in one of my chats cite the Tribal Stage as their favorite. So, you know, I guess different things work for different people. So yeah. maybe it did accomplish its goal. It's So the, the history of this game is sort of really interesting because um, it was under development for something like seven years. Like, this was going to be the big game that you know, Will Wright release that was like his masterwork, and uh, and the early like concepts and videos they released were like, this is gonna be this is gonna ruin all other games pretty much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, the like the early demos were kind of like mind boggling. They were like astonishingly cool, and it was gonna you know have a lot of like scientifically accurate stuff, and it was going to be like one smooth experience from cell stage all the way up to space with like no breaks in it um and there was it was just a hugely massively ambitious project um and then like seven years went by and finally ea said like look you know shit or get off the pot they're like we've been funding this for seven years you have to release a game like we're not going to keep just indefinitely funding your game which i mean to be fair is not unreasonable if you are a studio who is funding a game, right? Um, And so they released kind of what they had, and there was they released it to immense disappointment um, for multiple reasons. One, I think, was the hype. Like, there was no way, especially releasing it early, there was no way that the game could ever have lived up to 
the demo, like this is a you know a, a curse of every hyped up game really. Yep. yep. Sort of the No Man's Sky kind of principle of mm-hmm. like this is going to change the world and then it doesn't. Um, but also they EA made the decision to put like this insanely draconic DRM on it because I guess they were afraid of people stealing it. Um, this was before like you know. Steam and, and Origin were like really huge and mm-hmm. like widely accepted as the canonical way to do DRM stuff. Um, so they had this DRM where the disc had three installs. So you could only install the game three times and then you had to call EA support if you ever wanted to install it again. <laughs> Which is sort of insane. Yeah. Because, especially because apparently if you changed any of the hardware configuration of your computer, um, like installing a new uh, hard drive or like even having a virtual drive active on your system, the the disk counted that as an install. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> uh, because you were playing it on a quote-unquote different system, right? Uh. Um, and so it got really just lambasted for... Um, you know, for just being terrible and people gave it just like one star reviews all over the place and there was a lot of piracy and, and stuff like that. Um, so I think there was a lot of bad feeling and people were really ready to just like kick that game in the shins when it came out. So I'm glad to have gone back to it much later and sort of be able to evaluate it more objectively and on its own merits this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is true. And it it does suffer from being a sampler plate of game genres. Like, none of the genres are deep enough to really get, like, fully into it. Um, but if you, if you look at it as, like, it's meant to be kind of an introduction to those game genres for people who don't play them, it's not that bad. It's like a super light version. Yeah, I mean... It's, it's, like, it's one of those things, like, man, I just do not care for RTS games. But, if you dumb it down enough, I'll be okay. And that, and this is that kind of thing. So, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. Maybe. I'm I'm not sure what I think about it. Because, like, the controls are so awkward for every stage. Are they? Compared to, like, their... Compared to, like, the games in other genres. Uh, yes and no. I, yeah, I would say, maybe, especially for RTS, there's, like, control limits that uh, this game has that other RTSs, like, definitely compensate for. Um, but you're also asked to do much more complex things in those RTSs, like, at speed, which you are not asked to do in Spore. Yeah. Um, I think it's designed so that, like, somebody's mom could play it. You know what I mean? Like, someone who is not a game person and has not picked up a game um, but would like to try this one could still, like, do okay. Maybe. I don't know. I I feel like there's, in, in a lot of cases, there's just too much going on with the UI for for anyone without... A, a decent amount of gaming literacy to feel comfortable with. Interesting. Uh, like in specifically, like this the city stage, or I mean, in in like the build menus, 
you kind of have to pay attention to like, oh, well, this does this and this does like each specific part of your build has a different attribute. And that's like, it, it's oh, hard yeah, to like compare each body them. Part has a thing. Yeah, it, like there's not really an easy way to like set up a build and then set up another build and flip between them and see like, which one do I want better? Or which better? Which one do I want more? Which one will work better for me? So when you say build in this case, that's like, that has a gaming term uh, already. What specifically do you mean in this context? You mean like a creature design or? Uh, any, I mean, creature design, yes, but then also further on when you're doing, you know, cars and buildings and stuff. Yeah, there is a lot of information. I guess to keep track I guess the of, construction the phase does... is maybe a little more, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, accurate. Yeah, it's there is a lot of information to keep track of, and that information does change from stage to stage. Mm-hmm. Um, although there is some like overlap, so some of the things you learn how to do in earlier stages will at least make you more aware of the sort of thing you should look for in later stages. Yeah. Uh, but not a hundred percent for sure. And that actually, that's another thing that I wish like <laughs> was telegraphed a little better. When I went from creature to uh, tribal stage, I like I was basically running up a, a full, full friendliness uh, game where I just became best bros with everybody, and that was my strategy throughout the whole game. Uh, and I really wish they would have told me that my like bits that I used to build my my villagers didn't carry over because I made a dumb looking creature <laughs> with the intent of maxing out my social abilities and uh, then got to the next stage and realized that I didn't have to do that at all. Yeah. So I was just stuck with these goofy looking little antler having motherfuckers for the, <laughs> for, the, for the rest of the game. Yeah. And I was a little There's annoyed a... by that. <laughs> so here's the thing that I kind of love about Spore and that I wish would uh, make that more games would do is that like aesthetics are basically a mechanic in this game. It's mm-hmm. like they don't have to be. You can make builds entirely based on stats and stuff, but there is a presumption in the game that one of the primary verbs is going to be create and that you are just going to get pleasure and joy out of making things. Right? This is a mm-hmm. game for people who like to make things. And they just give you so many things to make. And so many tools. The tools to create things in this game are like still kind of state of the art amazing, uh, like just creation tools. They work so well. I mean, I guess I'm that's kind of astonished. I guess that's why they eventually released Creature Creator as like a standalone thing, right? Did they do that? They actually released that before the game came out. Oh, okay. It was a, it was like a pre-game hype thing. It was like, hey, for you know, so that the game can be populated with a bunch of user-generated creatures when it comes out, let's release the creature creator first, and then everybody can have fun playing with this toy uh, and also making lots of content for our game. <laughs> Meanwhile. Yeah, that makes sense. So, I mean, I really dislike the thing they do with that, though, because they give you, like, a million options to create your own characters. Mm-hmm. And then they give the stuff, like, different stats. To say, like, oh, if you want to do what you want, like, if you want to create your funny-looking guy, he's gonna be shit at this. 
it's going to be shit at this. Yeah. And it's better. It, it, you're going to get further. Like, it's going to be easier in the game if you just make a mess with stats. Yeah. And that's what I ended up doing. And that's why uh, the further I got in the game, like, by the time I was at civilization stage, I just didn't care. They're like, build the city hall. And I'm like, all right, slap a few pieces down. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is there is definitely a real problem of creation fatigue right around the beginning of city stage where you have to yeah. make about like seven things at once. Yeah, because they're like, okay, build a city hall, build a car, build a boat, build a build house, house build and an build an entertainment, build, build a, a factory. factory. Like, please I, make me stop building was, things. I made a theme of it, and like, so like all the houses are gonna be like tall and round. Yeah, that's usually what I like end up small doing about that. Yeah. That's usually what I end up doing around that stage too is like, okay, let's pick some kind of aesthetic and then just go with that aesthetic so we don't have to make too many different decisions. Yeah, basically. Like I I appreciate the the dedication that they put into the into all of the creation modes though cuz like every separate stage has an entire page of just like useless little greebles that you can stick on your guys and that's great <laughs> yeah gr- if you've got the if you've got like the currency for it sure but mm-hmm. usually they're pretty cheap because they don't do anything yeah and also there are um sims style cheats that you can do if you want like uh maximum dna or whatever oh. which i didn't i didn't know about until i recently went and watched somebody's stream of it and they were like oh yeah you can enter the like this and such cheat and now we have like four times as much DNA, and I'm like, what? Dang, I wish I would have known about that, too. Like, it it makes so much sense in retrospect, because the Sims games have always had yeah. those, what is it, Rosebud. Rosebud yeah. is the money cheat. Yeah. Uh, I think in the Sims, it's like Kaching. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or, uh, or Motherload to get even more. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. So they do have that in Spore 2, it turns out. I didn't end up using it, but it is there if people want to just go hog wild and create weird uh, hmm. weird dudes. Hmm. Um, but yeah, so I, I think the thing about like the stats is kind of a holdover from what the game was originally going to be. Um, because it was supposed to be like, if you want your creature to be fast, you know, you put limbs in a certain configuration that would makes sense for a fast creature in terms of like just physics and and biology. Um, oh, if and you I want think... to get be fast, you just put as many legs as possible. Well, no, it won't even yeah, something like that. That's I think what it was going to be. Um but now it's more like you know, you pick a piece that has a stat and then you use it. And the piece is somewhat related to in terms of appearance like what the stat is but it does feel a little bit like a cheaper version of the original concept. Um, that being said, one thing that Im- that impresses me absolutely, probably the most, and I spent like a solid 15 minutes or so geeking out about this on stream when I was streaming it, is the procedural animation in Creature Stage. Yeah. Holy crap, it works in so many scenarios. Because you can do some pretty goddamn stupid things if you want to in oh, yeah, yeah. the creature creator. You can put mouths on on the knees of your creature if you want. Um, you know, it can have 
like, butt eyes, whatever. And yet the procedural animation system, all things considered, compensates remarkably well. Yeah, that's, I was actually thinking about that, um, like, while I was playing it, that I would really love to see, like, how their rigs work. To just, yeah. to just, like, snap to everything that you can, you, cause you can make the spine as long, like, you can make just these big, long hot dog torsos and, like, 20 legs and it, <clears throat> cool, go for it. Nope. Actually, I think my favorite thing was, um, in Creature Stage, I had, like, my character, or my little dudes were, like, bipeds with arms, and then in my, what is it, like, my, it's not a posse. It's your your pack in your yeah. pack because you can you can like pick animals that you have uh, impressed and become friends with, and you can add them to your pack, and that helps you you know do combat or further impress other creatures. And I had like my biped and then another biped, but in a different sort of configuration. Like it had just a different overall shape and then like a quadruped with wings and they all have the same level of some social skill so they all do the same animation but watching them all do the same animation in like slightly different ways that fit with the body configuration it's just wild yeah um i remember so this is how big a like a score nerd um i i was slash am um, when this game first came out, I got the like special edition box set Ooh. that comes in like a like a sort of you know like textured plastic case uh, and comes with a poster uh, and came with like the game and a little art book and a making of documentary and oh, that's cool. like like all these pieces. So I was watching the making of documentary and they show a a thing on, on one of the developers' screens where you can see they've got like ten creatures lined up in a row that all have different body configurations and they like hit a button and they all do you know like the dance animation or they all do a run animation or they all do like the little happy animation and you can see they're like watching to make sure that it works on like all these different configurations. Oh that's amazing. Ah, that's so cool. <laughs> Like, that must have been a hell of a system to design. Like, yeah. whoever did that deserves, like, like a man, ton of applause. Building a rig, like, just a basic-ass rig is hard enough. Just imagine... Oh, just thinking about that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Carl, you started to say something. Did I? Oh. I thought so. Um, yeah, so it's... So. Uh, very, it's like a very cool feat, and I actually, weirdly enough, I almost got to meet the person who did that, um, because one of my professors at USC, like, knew that person, um, and so I, like, sent them an email to see if they would be an advisor on my thesis. That's <laughs> cool. They, yeah, they unfortunately did not have time. Yeah. But, uh, but that would have been neat. <laughs> that is really cool. Oh. Dang, we could have had that guy on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, well. oh well. Oh uh, well. But yeah, so I mean, you know, for all that, like, Spore was not the thing that everybody really wanted it to be, it did do a few, like, just really revolutionary things. Yeah, and it's, that, uh, it's unfortunate for, for the game that, 
the really impressive stuff is probably the kind of stuff that only people like us who are like really nerdy about games notice and geek it. Like who who else is gonna freak out about procedural animation and rigs? Like only <laughs> hyper nerds. I think yeah. there's quite a lot of people. Maybe. To, like, appreciate the idea, at least. Yeah, I think some people, like, I think people appreciate different things about it. Like, we appreciate sort of the technical achievement of it. Um, But my mom, who I got to use the Creature Creator at one point, she didn't actually play Spore, but, like, when just the Creature Creator came out, I showed it to her. Uh, And she used to be a puppeteer. Oh. Uh, And she was fascinated by the Creature Creator. She's like, look at this. Like, you can... It's, like, so easy to make something that looks plausible. Like, that's what I love about the tool the most, is, like, it's really easy to make something that is weird but doesn't look broken. Yeah. Um, and she was, you know, she's like, oh, look how when I, you know, put on a mouth, it, like, it looks around and it chomps a little bit so I can sort of see how the mouth works. Mm-hmm. And, like, look how it, it invests so much, like, sort of character and feeling and personality into the creature as I'm assembling it. And so she she found she found a lot of interest in it as well from but from a like a different angle. Hmm. That's cool. Puppeteering, huh? Yeah. That's cool. I mean, <laughs> I appreciate the technical aspects, but I know pretty much nothing about animations, really. Mm-hmm. So I'm really bad at it. So I don't really understand how hard it is. But like I can do, I can appreciate it by looking at other games and how they do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How games that don't have to do it procedurally for like, you know, billions of possible combinations still manage to sometimes get it much wronger than this. Yeah. Actually, that re- this is like totally a tangent, but that reminds me of um, I, I went and saw Coco a while back, and they had a little thing yeah. be- before the movie, um where they they just had some of like the the animation team talk about like this scene has over a million lights in it and they're all like lighting in real time and like that's the kind of thing that like I would look at that scene when it came up and be like wow look at all those lights look at how many individual pieces are but probably a lot of like your regular movie going public wouldn't think about and I was really really glad that they did that because I know a lot of people are kind of laboring under the misapprehension that uh, 3D animation is easy and lazy, <laughs> which could not be further from the truth. So yep. I, I don't know. I I like that kind of look behind the curtain, and I think I think everyone sort of benefits from seeing that. Yeah, I agree. Mm. I am. Yeah. Um, I still need to see that movie, but it's, anyway, it's cute. I liked it a lot. Yeah, I don't know if the uh, the making of Spore documentary ever became available anywhere other than with this original. Um, I, I I feel like somebody has probably uploaded it somewhere. Like it's probably I available mean, somewhere, not officially though. Yeah. I guess is the point. <laughs> yeah, possibly. I might have I might have to look for that actually. Like now I'm really intrigued. <laughs> Uh, let's see, let me see if I can find it because I think it's like 
it's like within reaching distance from my computer here. So let me see, because it had like a subtitle, I think. What was it called here? Oh, the back says, Your Personal Universe in a Box. Export. Nice. It's, not grandiose it's at all. It's funny that they had such like draconian DRM, and now you can just buy it off of good old games, which has no DRM. Oh, how yeah. times also, have changed! Like, why would you do that? Because that would just mean people are going to pirate it, pirate it even more. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's the thing. Like, EA has always been like that kind okay. of. So there's two, yeah, EA is like kind of bungled the launch, but, um, okay, so there's two discs actually. One of them comes in the, the case with the game and it's just called the making of Spore. But additionally in the box set, there is Spore, how to build a better being, which is a National Geographic channel special. It says, National Geographic Channel takes a journey into the billion-year history of the human body with spore visionary Will Wright and explores the breakthrough science that's revealing the secret genetic machinery shaping all life on the planet. What? Oh, God, they did so much marketing for that game. Oh, my God. And that is, um, I did watch that. I remember that. Um, That's just like a a really short, it's like a 15-minute little documentary about genes. And sort of how, like, like some recent discoveries in genetics and kind of how cool they are. Um, like, specifically, what I remember is they talk about how, like, there is a basic part of the DNA of creatures that just controls, like, make it symmetrical and give it, like, you know, limbs that come out from the side and a head that comes out from the top. And, like, there's, like, a specific sequence that does this. And it's just in everybody's DNA in, like, all the the animals and things. Huh. God, imagine it, if that didn't exist. Yeah. So <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's kind of a cool... It kind of talks about, like, why creature, why life on Earth has certain patterns in it, I guess, mm-hmm. um, in an interesting way. So that was that is also a thing that might be... Uh, you know that's available to to be checked out for people who are intrepid enough to look for it. That's good extra credit. <laughs> God, <laughs> yeah, Carl, you're not kidding, man. Marketing the crap out of this game because I, yeah. I mean I remember when it came out. Like I was in my late teen, like I was you know came out what, 2008. I would have been 18 ish mm-hmm. then, so I I do remember it a little bit. Um, I never played it back then, but. Yeah, I, I remember was, a lot of the talk coming out around it. It was one of the first big examples that I can remember of what has become since become like a fairly typical cycle in terms of like uh like hype launch disappointment. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Oh. Yeah, I guess that that was uh that's too that's another game that that must have been around us at the same time. Which game? Didn't it? Fable? Uh, it was a bit earlier. Yeah, Fable was like, earlier, I remember, like, maybe 2005. Yeah, I played both of those for my undergraduate thesis, so I was studying them around the same time. Fable... Four. Yeah, 2004. So. Sort of being over-promised and then uh, delivering a decent game that just didn't live up to the over-promise yeah. and then getting a lot of flack for that. I mean, can we really not 
is it is it fair to call that the Molly New effect? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. All right, the Molly New effect. Yeah, even if it's not fair, we're gonna do it. I, you uh, know, I, I will, I will always be an apologist, apologist. Wow, uh, an apologist for Peter Molly New, like a, 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 a Molly Newist. Oh, it's not working. <laughs> it's not working. <laughs> yeah, he tries so hard, and he, he seems tries. so he seems so earnest. I think is the real thing. Yeah, uh, he really wants this, like. He really believes in the thing he's doing. Yeah, like man, I downloaded the Cube game when that when that was out on mobile, and I played the Cube game for a couple of days, and then I stopped playing the Cube game. <laughs> I don't even know what that was. Slash uh, is that was a game. So, God, the dogs are barking downstairs. Maybe, <laughs> uh, whatever. Um, uh, so, wow, this would have been like maybe two thousand. 12-ish um, where Peter Molyneux started his own studio called 22 Cans and the whole thing was that he was going to make like 22 small experimental games um, and I don't know what happened to any of those other games but the first one <laughs> the first one was uh, The Cube and it was a, a mobile app that you download and it's a cube and you tap on like each cube is like each face of the cube is made up of just a bunch of like blocks like hundreds or however many blocks and everybody playing like concurrently it, it just like logs all of those taps and if uh, a square gets tapped enough times then it breaks and there's like I don't know four or five or maybe more layers of the cube so everybody like breaks it down slowly over the course of however long so and it was the- like a cooperative MMO task sort yeah. of thing. Yeah, and and the big thing was that like whoever is the person who taps the final tap and like breaks into the center gets a reward. And the reward was um sort of I don't know if this is the last big game that Peter Molyneux did uh that was also a big disappointment or not, but it was um Godus or Goddess, which was oh, a yeah. the god sim. And whoever, um, I that. got, okay. <laughs> yeah, so whoever got the last tap, I think it was like, I don't know, some Scottish kid who might, who did it. I, I don't remember entirely. Like, they got to be the god of that game and, <laughs> like, come up with idea. I, I don't know what the full, um, what that fully entailed. Um, but they, they, I guess we're supposed to have some input into the game, and I don't really know what came of that, but everything that I heard was that Goddess wasn't very good. Uh, so it's uh, it's fine. Um, it's like it's entertaining for a little bit, but there's not enough uh, like end game goal in order to like make you want to keep playing it past like the first ten hours or so. That's fair. Um, it's kind of relax. It's kind of a relaxing sim sort of thing, though. But you know, like cheers, cheers to the devs who are too ambitious and make like interesting experimental things to see if they'll work. Like yeah. we need, we need devs like that. That's important. I guess. I'm just. I'm looking. Maybe you should have a look at the market before. Yeah. I, so I'm looking at the 22 Cans website. So they did Curiosity, uh, and then they did. Godus or Goddess, I don't know how it's pronounced, and they did uh, a sequel to that, which was Godus Wars, and then I guess most recently they had a game called uh, The Trail, which is another mobile game. 
where you like pioneer yourself across sort of an uncharted uh like frontier sort of place. So I guess they never did make those twenty two experimental games. <laughs> or they're still working on it. Yeah, maybe. Mm. Oh, they're hiring. What are they who are they hiring? They need a junior designer, a junior programmer, and a senior artist. Hmm. So back to spore. Yeah, yeah, back to um, spore. Sorry, that was a that was a big detour. Well, my big like one of the big issues I have with the game is I appreciate what it is and what it's trying to be, but I don't see like it doesn't seem like there's something that makes me want to play it. Like all I have is basically five sort of shitty versions of other games. Yeah. It, it, I mean, mm. sorry, go oh, on. I was say it was it was always hard for me to like pick it back up. Like I, there was never a point where I was like, "Man, I got I want to play some Spore." Yeah. Um, <laughs> like I'd be like, oh, "I should probably play Spore because we're gonna be talking about it." Um, uh, and it was never like terrible when I was playing it, but but it it was really sort of Skinner boxy to me in that like I I would be in a phase and it would show you your little progress bar on the bottom for how far you have to go until you get to the next stage and it would be a case of well I've only gotta befriend two more villages or you know uh, ally with you know however many more cities and then it's the next stage so I might as well just do that um, mm-hmm. I never really felt like I was super invested in, in any aspect of it. Except when I got to do those little dances. <laughs> um, I mean, I think this is, you know, that'll be, that'll vary for everybody. That's, that'll be different from person to person. Yeah. Um, for me personally, it's the creation tools. Like, that's the thing that keeps me coming back is that I don't think to myself, like, oh, I really want to roam around creature stage. But I do think, like, oh, I really, I bet I could make a really interesting critter with a configuration of, like, what if it had the legs all the way in the back and then, like, you know, but a face on the bottom and then a set of hands on the top. And, you know, like, I, like thinking about that and then getting a chance to go in and make those things um, is, is what I enjoy about it. Um, and it's in the same way that when I play The Sims, I almost always only make houses, and very, very occasionally, I actually play The Sims, and like, just to see how people like, live in those houses, and how well the houses are working, kind mm-hmm. of. Yeah, um, I sort of feel the same way about Spore. Like, I would play the creature stage to kind of see other people's creatures, and see how well my creatures kind of work and animate in the intended environment. That's fair. Yeah. And so, uh, I don't know. There's, that's a thing. Yeah. Hmm. I'm gonna see if I can design a creature while we're podcasting. Cool. And I will name it Feedback Force. Nice. I named, I named my planet Butts. I named <laughs> all of my creatures Butts. All of my buildings was like, uh, like my city hall was like Butts HQ and my house was I don't remember what I called my house, but it was all, it was all, um, butts. Because I was feeling particularly not creative. 
uh, with respect yeah, yeah. to naming conventions. All my creatures and houses were rude. <laughs> <laughs> Let's leave it at that. That's fair. That is. It was pe- also. It might be worth mentioning. Speaking of that, um, that like there was a big concern that like basically people would only make penis creatures um, and like that you know there would be no way to like the the game would just be overrun with penis creatures yeah I've seen I've seen a few spore dicks in my time yeah and I'm like those and that definitely like did happen a little bit like people definitely did make those creatures um, but the content filtering was uh, wasn't is surprisingly like good and effective. If you choose, like, two or three people to follow, um, and you, like, curate just a little bit, then the game kind of takes the hint, and it tends to curate pretty well and just, like, expose you to things that you want to see. That's cool. I didn't touch any of the online stuff, because I figured there there probably wasn't a whole lot these days. That's another huge innovation of the game, was the idea that, like, all uh, all of the content was going to be user created. Right, like the it's it's like asynchronous, massively multiplayer. Mm-hmm. So you make things for your game, and they appear in your game, but then they also get uploaded to like a big online database, and they get downloaded from there into everybody else's games, so that the things you make get shared and you know can be enjoyed by other players. Um, and that's pretty cool. And they, I mean, the archive is still there. The website still functions, and I'm still able to download the stuff that I made, you know, in college or high school or whenever it was. Hmm. See, 2008. Not in my game. Not in my game. Not in my good Christian planet. My my (laughs) game is actually well curated enough that I mostly get, like, just really freaking awesome how-did-you-even-do-that sort of stuff. Nice. That's good. From uh, like, if if you want some cool stuff in your spore game, I can recommend a couple people to, like, whose stuff to download from the the spore dot com. Hmm. Um, Doom Nova in particular is one who's uh, got a ton of stuff in my game. Nice. Um, there's, yeah. So it's it's kind of neat to see, to see all the things. Two thousand eight, I would have been in college. I graduated college in 2009, so mm-hmm. yeah. So I was in college at the time. It is kind of interesting to like look through, look through people who made a bunch like like Doom Nova, who you know probably put a whole bunch of time into building stuff for this game and thinking, I wonder what they're doing now. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if this person ever thinks about the things they made in Spore. Yeah. I wonder if they went on to be like a you know a designer of some kind. Uh, given the like craziness of uh, this thing, maybe of the stuff here, maybe um, like a fashion. I could see like a fashion designer or something, um, because it's just like ridiculously um, just ornamental, I guess, like or ornamented. And, like, just the styles are really fantastic. Hmm. Or maybe they went on to be, like, a 3D artist of some kind. Or, I don't know, any uh, number of other things. Yeah. It's always it's always cool when there's, like, when it's, like, modding or uh, user-generated content that gets someone into, like, actual game dev careers. 
Mm-hmm. It's like I have I have a friend who is um he's a programmer and he's like, yep, first thing I ever did was uh, uh Oblivion mod for Elder Scrolls Oblivion. I was like, that's cool, good job. Yep, I mean you know I designed uh, a a level in Galactic Adventures and I went back and played it as part of my you know playing this and streaming it. I went back and played the little essentially game that I designed in this game. In undergrad, um, and it's not bad. It's not great. Um, I've learned a lot more about spatial design since then that would have greatly improved uh, the experience. But you know, the the concept is I still think holds up, and the writing was kind of cute and yes, clever. That's cool. So, like, I stand by it. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's hard to go back and look at stuff that you made a long time ago, but. It's important to also note things that you did well in the past. And I I think this is another thing that's, like, hugely valuable and important about having good, easy-to-use tools like the Creature Creator, is that there are a lot of people out there who don't know that they like something or would like, you know, would enjoy doing something, because the only way right now that they can experience it is... You know, it's it's just way too complicated to pick up, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if you've never seen even, like, if you're not that familiar with using a computer, like, and you open Photoshop, it's kind of intimidating. There's a lot of buttons. Man, I get intimidated when I open Photoshop sometimes. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> so, like, having easy-to-use tools that say, like, hey, look, this is really fun. Like you could you could do this and if you know, try it and see what you think. See if this might be something that you would want to learn and if you do, then you can always pick up, you know, like the actual professional tools with later with some training. But yeah. you got to have some some easy simplified version in order to learn whether it's even worth it for you. Yeah, it's like recently, I don't, I don't remember what sparked it, but recently people were giving, um, Unity a lot of shit for mm-hmm. how, like, uh, Unity games suck, but it, uh, of course a lot of Unity games suck. Unity is super easy and accessible for anyone to pick up and noodle around with, and yeah. that has, like, no bearing whatsoever on, on Unity itself. In fact, yeah. that means that Unity is awesome. Yeah, because it's a it good makes sign. Things, yeah, because it makes things so accessible. Or like RPG Maker. Uh, yeah, when RPG a lot Maker. of people can make things, they will make a lot of bad things. But there will also, by sheer dint of volume, be a lot more good things that <laughs> that come out of it than if your tools are impossible to use. Yeah, <laughs> totally. So good uh, job, Spore. Sort of, sort of like a the PlayStation 2 syndrome, right? Like, that was really easy to dev for, Mm -hmm. and so it just has a billion games, and that's why it's one of the best consoles. It's, like, not that all games, you know, all games made for the PS2 were good, but just that a fuck ton of games were made for the PS2. Yeah. The odds were in their favor. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, a lot of people hold hold that up as, like, their favorite console ever. Yeah. At least people that I know. Um... And, yeah, there's a good reason for that. Because the library was excellent, even though the library was also not very good. <laughs> so, like, you might make something in, like, the Spore, like, Galactic Adventures thing that's a little a little kitschy and a little weird, and you're just 
faffing around, but by like trying to make something and then playing it, you learn a lot about you know what good design is and like what does and doesn't work and tools are important. Yes. Um, and tools tools are the primary reason that I love this game. Although mm-hmm. that being said, I have just made the like this monstrosity uh, <laughs> the creature creator. That's pretty great. Um, I'm tempted like to a... go back and see if I can build something that actually does break the animations. I doubt I'll be able to do it, but it's it's possible. I've done it. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> it's possible. Okay, I'm giving them too much credit. Then never mind. <laughs> you have to you have to try a little bit. Um, you have to be like going really wacky. Like I just made a thing that when it moves, like the mouth folds backwards through the head, yeah. um, which is not great. Yeah. Um. Also, a good way to break it is to remember that, like, limbs can attach on multiple places on the body. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's true. Yeah. And, uh, you can, but you, so there's also, one thing I like about this is that there's secret controls. So, like, if you, you gain a certain amount of, um, proficiency with the tools they give you, and then you do a little research... Like, there are other ways that you can control it with more finesse mm-hmm. for people who really like creature creating and or whatnot. Um, and it's things like, you know, hold the alt key to create a copy of any given piece the way that you have, like, sized and manipulated it. Or hold the tab key to get rotation rings for any piece so you can do, like, really fine-grained pointing it in a direction. Um, I'm pretty sure there's a way to do um, asymmetrical parts oh. um with a with a hotkey um in in the um like building developer there's a key that you can use to make your axis of motion um basically to fix your axis of motion so if you hold down this key and move the piece it will only move up and down or mm-hmm. only move in and out and things like that hmm. um so it's sort of like here's the simple tools for those starting out and then there's advanced tools for people who would like to learn advanced things. Nice. Hmm. See, this, uh, is, this yeah. is what always happens. Like, even if it's a game that I wasn't super into, we talk about it on the podcast, and I'm like, I might go play some of that this afternoon. Yeah, maybe I should we're do that. Recording. Hmm. I might go get into that creature creator again. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Even if I don't like actually go through and like play. You know, I have a space stage game going right now, and it's fine. I've made a lot of allies, and like I've discovered some cool stuff. And but it, that doesn't give me as much play pleasure in the game as just configuring the spine into weird starting sp- starting yeah. positions, and and or just wandering around in creature stage and seeing other people's creations. Yeah. I'm like, whoa! Look at the nest over here. Like, I wonder what's the nest over that this next ridge is going to be like. Mm-hmm. I feel like the creature creator is better than the game. <laughs> I mean, Which, I don't know what to say about that. But I I could see that. I mean, I like I I would be willing to like be on the defensive side of that argument, <laughs> like defend that point. Yeah, I think. I mean, I feel like the creature creator is probably the the most refined and fleshed out part, for sure. Maybe not for and, sure, but... And the most, like, just innovative mm-hmm. um, and kind of, like, revolutionary. Like, I, there's still 
no other creation tool I feel that has quite matched up to this. Like, there's nothing else where I say, like, oh, yeah, no, that's, you know, I can just do the same thing with the Like, I, I get the, some some similar pleasures from, you know, making buildings in the, in the Sims, but it's it's not it doesn't animate when you're done yeah <laughs> right yeah exactly and and it's like i get pleasure from building things in minecraft but it's you know it, that's it's blocks. like very it's blocks, <laughs> it's blocks. Very grid based <laughs> yeah so there is there is still something pretty unique about this that i you know i maybe there are other things that have done something like this that i just don't know about I feel like I, I feel like I think there is. Yeah, I feel like I have something comparable, but I can't think of it right now. So maybe mm-hmm. I'll think of it and and just blurt it I out. Have uh, to play that next. Yeah. <laughs> but why do I have to run around with tanks shooting religious beamer cities? <laughs> I think that's my favorite part of uh, of Civilization think... Stage: the the religion cannon. That's, that seems like the laziest design, like design in terms of those stages to me, because it's like, you have, you have three options you can do in civilization stage. You can either destroy cities, you can, um, like trade with them until they sell the city to you and you just buy it, mm-hmm. um, or you can, uh, convert their cities with, like, religion, um, and, uh, you know, it's, then they just become yours. Um, but, which I think is intended to mimic kind of the different things you can do in Civ, right? Like, in, in Civ, you have the ability to do, like, cultural takeover or whatever. But effectively, the economic and the religious victories feel pretty much identical to each other. Like, they don't have a lot of, like, strongly, like, Distinguished or distinct mechanics. Yeah, like but I was economic and religion the same. Yeah, because I think religion and like the killing of enemies is the same. Really? I, I mean, like I think, I, I think conceptually, at combat, combat at least feels a little different because you like lose, uh, you know, you lose um, pieces and then have to go back and recreate them and stuff. Yeah, I think mechanically. Religion and economics feel the same, but like conceptually, I'm gonna wipe you out, or you're going to fully assimilate to my views are like similar ideas. Yeah, I, conceptually, all three of them feel very similar, yeah. which to me is why like this is one of that's one of my least favorite stages. Yeah, I because... I built like thirty planes just when they bombed everyone with religion. <laughs> yeah, pamphlets, pamphlet bombs. Yeah, I think that was the biggest disappointment was going to civilization stage because up until that point, uh, I was, I was having a lot of fun being a friendly social, social bro. Like, I'm gonna go up to this creature and I'm gonna sing him a song and we're gonna do a little dance and I'm gonna strike a pose and they're gonna be my friends. And then, like, in tribal stage, it's, I'm gonna get all my boys over to this other settlement and I'm going to play them a big song, and they're going to shout out what instruments they want to hear, and I'm going to play those instruments for them, and it's going to be great, and we're going to be friends. And then Civilization Stage, I'm going to go hit them with the religion cannon. <laughs> like, oh, that's not what I want to do. Like, <laughs> I want to I wanna give them, like, humanitarian aid and, until <laughs> they become my friend, you know? 
Yeah. It no, feels I, like I a hollow uh, victory. I'm actually going to... Um, I take back what I said, Carl. I think you are right um, that, like, the religion and the combat feel very... Maybe feel the most similar. Because you you go to a place, you, f- you fire a beam at a thing until it gives up in both cases, right? Conceptually, one of them is destroying the thing and one of them is, like, converting the thing. But they're both, like vehicles that go and fire beams or drop things. Also, the fact that it's like a tank, a plane, and a, sh- a ship mm-hmm. makes the whole thing very suspicious. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, and you... you that's, the, that's another reason why you can get creation fatigue in that stage, is because if you... Whenever you take over a city, you often have the... Um, at least if you're uh, economy-based, you have the option of you know, making it an economy city or keeping whatever it was before. Mm-hmm. So you can have, like, all three types of cities. And you need to make a vehicle for each type. So you can make potentially up to nine different vehicles in that <laughs> sequence. Because you got to make a religious land vehicle and a economic land vehicle and a combat land vehicle and a religious sea vehicle and an economic sea vehicle and so on. Yeah. Yeah, I I hit the creation fatigue pretty hard in Civilization stage. And that's also where I, like, started, like, I think every step up was sort of a little bit of a fall-off for me in terms of gameplay. Man, I just want to, I just want to do little dances for for little guys and have them be my friends. That's all I want. I was, in in (laughs) conversations I had with friends about this over the past couple weeks, um, I was thinking that, like, if this game was made today, they would probably just release five different games. Maybe four. Maybe they would lump together, like, the arcade and the creature one. But they would probably try and make them, like, an individually fleshed-out game uh, for each stage and not make it as one game. Yeah. I'm Epis- not sure. Episodic Spore. Because, like... The big thing is like evolution, right? Yeah, that was yeah, that's and that was supposed to be. I, it would defeat like a lot of what the original purpose of the game was for sure to do that. Um, but it's like such a like the way games are designed now, and I don't know if this like, hey, we're making a game just for people who casually want to get like a sampler box of different game genres and aren't really. Like, big into gaming, I don't know how much that would fly these days, you know what I mean? Yeah. Which is maybe sad. I guess we'll see what happens with um, Nintendo Labo. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm Good super talk. excited about that. I, I am. That looks I am, too. Like, I, I'm not, I mean, I'm not going to get the robot kit. I refuse to wear a cardboard backpack, but the other one looks really cool. I'm I'm probably not even going to get it. I'm just because I don't have a switch. Um, But I'm excited to see what is done with it. Like you know what sort of like how it I don't know how it turns out. How it people react to it. What what impact it makes. I think that's potentially again good creation tools are a valuable thing in and of themselves. Mm -hmm. And teaching kids like hey maybe you should try this and see if you want to learn the skills to become an engineer when you grow up. You know what I mean. Like, yeah. that's valuable. There's something yeah. to that. And it's interesting because, like, there are a lot of really cool hardware features in the Switch that aren't super heavily utilized, at least in, you know, the few games that I have played for it. 
Like, like it's got an IR sensor, an infrared sensor, and that's like that's how the piano, the little cardboard piano functions. Is like that it it shoots its little infrared beam and then it and then it senses like what keys are depressed and that's cool. Um, and, you know, and things like the gyroscope or even I think my favorite thing that I have seen in the in the little trailer for Labo is the little like cardboard bug that you strap a controller in and you control it with the rumble in the controller like that's really cool so I it feels like Labo is a test drive for all of the weird little hardware features that are in the switch and I hope <laughs> I hope that that becomes sort of a jumping off point for actually fleshed out games using those features yeah and like to bring it uh, to bring it back to Spore to some extent, um, <laughs> I, like I hope, I hope people keep making creation tools as content, right? I hope mm-hmm. that we get more more games and more experiences where like make is the primary verb, mm-hmm. um, because that like there's joy in that to me, and I think there's there's uh you know it's not. It's not specifically a thing that is built to appeal to, like, young male audiences, and so it hasn't received as much attention as some other genres. But I think it is a, um, you know, it's a verb that people do outside of games, that people have shown a, you know, a delight and joy in doing. And I think it would, you know, I think the games industry would benefit from having more games like where that's the focus. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. That's my that's my manifesto and I'm sticking to it. Cool. I will co-sign that manifesto. I like this, it. This feedback force creature that I'm making mm-hmm. is is looking real awesome and I will share it out after this. Nice. And then uh then we will like that can be our mascot. Cool. Since yeah, since since we didn't get to name the puppy after the podcast, that <laughs> fell through. What did the puppy end up being named? You, uh, you promised to say oh, it yeah, yeah. part of it. Um, the puppy's name is Kita, which is short for Nikita, but I don't... Actually, maybe it isn't even short for Nikita anymore. Um, because I, I think my stepdad suggested Nikita, but my mom was like, no, we can't call her Nikita because it's not two syllables. Because, like... The ideal dog name is two syllables and it ends with a vowel. So they, so all of the names they chose like fit that model. So my stepdad was like, well, we could call her Nikki. And my mom didn't like that. So I was like, well, we could call her Kita. And, and we liked that. So that got added to the list and then process of elimination. And now that's what she's called. Kita. Kita. Okay. So. Well, now the people who are waiting on their edge of their seats for the reveal of the puppy name. Yep. <laughs> can know. Yep. And the only decision left to make is cow spots or tiny stripes? I like stripes. I think the tiny stripes look really good. I'm trying to do it in our logo colors, the, like, blue and white and black Uh, (laughs) sort of thing. Yes. I'm going to call it Phoebe for feedback for us. Cute. Because it has two syllables and ends with a vowel. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, I could call it Fief 
also for feedback force, mm-hmm. but FIFO, feedback force, and then it also sounds a little like Fliffo. Ah, uh, so. yes, and it also sounds like FIFO a little bit. If you're if you're into the first in first out, yeah, in whatever profession you might be using that in. <laughs> All right. Uh, any any other comments on Spore? I'm, really. <laughs> I'm, I'm like super happy that we played this because it's in addition to like I want to say that this is not all nostalgia maybe this is like a huge portion nostalgia for me but I do think that this was like a really revolutionary game um, I don't in the sense that it tried to be very different and it like made some really interesting strides but I'm not sure anybody else has kind of picked up from that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, no one else has sort of taken what Spore pioneered and run with it, and that's a shame. I think we need more of that. Yeah, and I, I don't I know. Mean, I do mean that Spore pioneered. That's like well, like the, like the creation tools, sort of making a game out of, uh, you know, generating content and having that be, like, the primary... Um, like the the things that you interact with and experience in the world and having like a a big shared database of creations that people can enjoy and you know like yeah. the 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 closest but there's that's... tons like tons of games like Minecraft and those yeah. types of games and i think they do they do serve a similar niche but i think there is there is more room for something slightly different slightly more along these lines that it would I would be pleased to see more of. Yeah. I think it's I think it's unfortunate. I mean, I'm like the last person to say this, but it's unfortunate that games have become so much more focused on being narrative experiences and I'm the last person to say that that's unfortunate because that's my jam. Uh but there's a whole lot less room for for uh you know user generated content in a in a narrative game because <laughs> like it's like any game where you can see your uh your you know customized character in a cutscene and it just looks ridiculous because you're running around with like a blue afro and clown paint in the middle of this like super serious cutscene Oh, I have the best example for that. Yes. It's, uh, I recently finished, uh, Scene Blade, the first game. Oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. there's, like, a viable strategy to have one of the characters. He, like, gains bonuses if he's unarmored. He runs oh, around no. naked. Oh, no. <laughs> so everyone, like, looks, I mean, they look pretty weird anyway, but he's just naked among everyone. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. Uh, there's a, uh, I, I feel like I maybe mentioned this previously, but there's a, um, a YouTube web series by actually two of the brothers from the, uh, Adventure Zone, um, called Monster Factory. Oh yeah, Monster Factory. Where their, their whole gimmick is just like creating the stupid, stupid as possible looking things in, uh, like in a, in a character creator and then <laughs> playing with them. Yeah, I haven't I haven't watched a whole lot of Monster Factory, but I do know about the final Pam. <laughs> I don't know if I've seen that one. That's the the Fallout Four one, uh, and I mostly know about it because there's a an animator that I follow. Uh, his name is Worthy, 
and he did he like took audio out of that um, out of that episode and animated it. It's really great. Nice. Yeah. Well, uh, I'll have to check that one out. They also have uh, they have a handful of spore episodes as well. So. Oh, good. I mean, spore is great for that. Yeah. Which is actually how I discovered them was I was looking or discovered this series was I was looking up uh, you know like spore creature like interesting spore playthroughs um, and that came up so. Nice. All right. Well, All right. Yeah. Well, should uh, should I intro? Uh... Oh yeah. Let's talk about what we're doing next. Cool. Okay. Um. So the next game we will be playing is uh, a game that I have been like threatening threatening this podcast with for a while um uh we're gonna be playing uh grow home which is a game where you play as a cute kind of sort of drunk little robot um and you're dropped on a planet and your goal is basically to grow plants on the planet so that you can reach your spaceship in space uh it was made by uh ubisoft reflections just a subsidiary studio of Ubisoft. They're uh, British, and they've been around for a long time. Actually, they they I think were acquired by Ubisoft in like 2005 or something. But they've been making games since like you know the Amiga era. So they've been they've been at it for a while. Um, at, yeah, Grow Home. It's a cute, not super big game. It's like pretty focused, I think, um, and it's it's just darling. So go play that. I think it's fairly cheap on Steam. Yeah, it's, I, I think it's like eight bucks. I looked. I looked a little while ago. Um, like there's a sequel out, so it's Jesus. definitely going to be cheaper. Uh, yeah, it's eight dollars. Cool. Steam is recommending Doodle God to me. Uh, like, wasn't that a web game? I think. It anyway, was. yeah, not the game we're playing. We're playing Grow Home. We're playing Grow Home. Uh, yeah. So go play that, I guess. I don't know. Should I? Is there anything else I should say about it? No, I no. guess we'll experience it and we'll find out. Yeah, I go mean, find mom. Yeah, go find mom. That's that's your that's your objective. You you literally have to go find mom, or you have to help mom. Something like that. Uh, sounds good. Keep an eye out um, on the feedback force Twitter for the links to the. The creature mascot. Yeah, from this podcast. Is it Phoebe or is it? Did you call I it Phoebe? With, I went. I went with Fifo. Okay, Fifo. All right. Yes, Fifo, our our new little guy. Maybe I'll have to do some Fifo drawings and put him put him in like our our promotional or our our design assets. But uh, I put a link for you guys in chat so you can preview him and Excellent. then. You can, when we when we tweet this episode, we can add the link. Ah, all right, there it is. Cool. Uh, plugs. You start. Okay, cool. Uh, hello, I'm Kelso. I do this podcast. You can find me on Twitter uh, at Kelso Time Bomb. Also uh, at K Time Bomb Art. I do drawings sometimes. Yeah. Hello. Goodbye. Thank you for listening <laughs> to the podcast. Thank you for thank you and thank you to Kelso for con continually editing this podcast because Kelso yeah. does all the work 
for this podcast. In case people don't know that, like, Carl and I just show up. Kelso does yeah. actually all the work for this That's podcast. That's fine. It's not that much work, honestly. I do... The editing that I do is minimal. So. Okay. So, yeah. So, I am Kyla Fury, a.k.a. Cage Tiger. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Kyla underscore go. Um, I also do a weekly stream on Sunday mornings um, called, honestly, still tentatively called uh, Uncaged Fury. That's a really um, bad name. It, it doesn't make any sense for the stream, but it's like I've, I've yet to come up with a better one. Um, so I'm still going with that. Uh, so uh, I play old, like, nostalgic games that I missed when they came out and sort of see how the nostalgia holds up. Um, we just finished playing... Uh, Super Mario Sunshine and I'm not sure yet what I'm going to play next so if you would like to be part of that decision making process uh, follow me on Twitter and I'll be posting some polls about what I'm going to play so there's a bunch of options and I'll probably pick four of them and then we'll do a poll nice yeah at skeg3 on Twitter done cool <laughs> that was Carl. Yeah. This this has been Carl. Uh, <laughs> this has been Carl. Yes. Uh. And uh yeah, so play Grow Home. Do it. And we'll see you in two weeks to talk about it. Yes. Oh, and as usual, if you feel like you have something to say about the game we're playing and you would like to join us uh and share your thoughts in the episode contact us on Twitter and be a guest host because we like having guest hosts. You yeah. don't have to have made the game in order to be a guest host on this podcast. That's, that is that a coincidence. Helps. Yeah, that's like, <laughs> it helps. That's like totally optional. It is icing on the cake, but a lot of cakes can be delicious without icing. Yeah. And we've had, uh, we have had guests who are not the creators of the games. Yeah. Like, I would like to stress that. So. Yes, absolutely. So, come... Uh, come hang out with us on a Sunday afternoon and talk about yeah. games. Do it. Do it. All right. Well, thank you for listening. Uh, we'll be back in two weeks. We'll be talking about Grow Home. Yeah. All yeah. right. Yeah. Goodbye. Bye.